0: Welcome to Stock Odds Odds and End Podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the new month of October. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad.
1: Let's uh, go through some good stuff here today. Yeah. Uh, I'll just start off with um, what is happening in the uh, indices at the moment. Um, so I found it interesting because when we first opened So uh, I got to actually back up to Friday. So we we all know that we kind of closed near the low on Friday, right? Like almost on the low. Um, After hours, it uh, just bounced a little bit. And then when the futures opened today at 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific time, uh, they they were dropped a little bit. And then they rallied, filled that gap, and proceeded to trade sideways. And then – Gave it up quite a bit from there, and they're trying to trying to come back. So there's this this kind of real battleground. I mean, I checked about 20 minutes earlier, and everything was red. And now the Dow Jones futures are up 55 points, up 0.19%. S and P same same kind of trading behavior. It's up only a point, and that's 0.03%. Nasdaq 100 is still down um, 30.25 or 0.27%. And the Russell, which was up earlier, even when the other ones were down, um, is up 4.4, up 0.26%. So Russell's been holding up a little better. And and that's been interesting for some, a good part of September actually. And this happened last year too where small caps were doing pretty well through, through September. And that was when we were starting, do you remember we were getting the inflation banter and and kind of things were kind of getting messed up a little bit? Like we had, remember we had the, uh, Connors, um, you know, one of our indicators that we were curating for quite a few times throughout the year. Um, and it was working really good in, in the summer. And then it's kind of stopped working in um, in September. And we started to um, see that uh, RSI and other things were, were just much superior to the, uh, the Connors. Um, but at that time, the small caps were per- performing better. And we see kind of a repeat of that this month. Um, and last week, it was quite noticeable where the market was heading down and the small caps were heading, many of them were heading up, especially the ones that we curated for with good odds and stuff. Um, so IWM might've still been down, but the better picks of the Russell were up. So, so why? I got a question from one of our traders that said, well, why is this? And uh, I tried to respond by what I think. And that is that we're leaning on the mature, you know, kind of like have runs, have bins, things like things like meta, for example, you know, Uh you know, we kind of have more understanding about the story and where they're, where they're losing traction and what the obstacles with the metaverse are and things like that. And, you know we're seeing advertising get reduced and people moving off platform and other challenges with you know things about social media in general. And so we uh, we're seeing it kind of lose traction. and and so people are leaning on things like that. That's just one example. They're shorting that, and they're buying as a, an arbitrage, Uh, some of the smaller caps that might, there's a, there's a couple different angles. Some have no debt. Some have pretty low PEs too. Uh, Some have, you know, small market caps, maybe some high short interest, and there's just room for explosive moves up. There's room for growth. There's whatever. So there seems to be a lack of, wanting to get completely out of the market and abandon everything and more of a posturing to sort of you know, like put yourself in some, some of the small caps, but, but, but have a hedge. And, you know, IWM is, is not a perfect hedge for all the small caps because when you curate lists for this, for the Russell, a lot of the times it's, it's biotechs, right? A lot of times uh, the stocks that come up, you know, are, are, you know, real small biotech opportunities, which, Uh which are kind of risky. um, But you just end up with a majority of that or some small oil companies or whatever. Um, But I think that's, what's going on is the shorting of, you know, other things against the small caps. You know, we used to do this um, with, with pair trades a lot would be, you know, you'd be short Caterpillar, and you'd find some small cap, um, you know, industrial that just had explosive potential, and you would put it on as a pair. And you kind of had this free, built-in call option. That means that, you know, you might be just trading the roles and the production and the oscillation of this relationship. And then one day, Caterpillar buys the company that you're long. Or some other, you know, deer buys the company year long or Cummings buys the company year long. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think that's what's what's going on on a pretty large scale from what I can tell. That doesn't mean you're going to have beautiful, you know, flowers and and butterflies and everything all the time. You're going to have some really bad days where it's completely risk off or... You know the the small caps had run so much. It's like well, time to take some profit. And once they start heading south, that and the sentiment changes a bit. You know that you really have a bad day. It'd be like you know, <laughs> down three percent, down four percent, down five percent, kind of. Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that helps. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunity in the small caps, and um, they are more volatile. They are more risky, um, and they have been performing really well. And and even tonight, as, as I said. You know, Russell was up um, when the other indices were were down. So, that being said, um, let's talk about Russia situation. So, um, there's there's been um, the Tu-160s and Tu Tu-95 strategic bombers that have been moved to the Olina Air Base. Um, it's on a peninsula, and that's uh, where, you know, tactical and nuclear weapons are housed. So we saw this before um, they ever came into Ukraine, is they assembled on the border and near the border, you know, lots of tanks and other uh, military vehicles. Uh-huh. And And then finally they did come in. So they've moved these strategic bombers... Um, to an airbase that wasn't previously housing them. Um, then you have the K-324, I think it is, or 327 or something. It's uh, it's a Belgorod uh, submarine. It's been deployed, and it's it houses the Poseidon nuclear missile. So that that has now been deployed. It's it's out there. Um, so what does this mean? Does this mean that, um, that something is actually being planned or does it mean that it's part of the bluffing and scare tactics? Um, it could be a complete distraction, like all this banter about nuclear from, you know, for people in his cabinet and and even other actor nations say, you know, you know, why not do it kind of thing. Um, it could be just a distraction where something else is actually up. And there was this interesting article on, um, zero hedge, which was talking about, um, gold and geopolitics. And I wanted to get into gold anyway. So that's what attracted me to that. Um, and basically I'll just read it to you. You can go look it for yourself. It's gold and geopolitics. Um, So he says, and you know, the other thing I've been harping on for a while was the dollar. And I said, remember, I said, it's a very crowded trade. Yeah. And, you know, there are obviously a reason defensively to to be in the dollar, but it's getting to be an extremely crowded trade. And I'm really concerned about how that has been like everything else I've ever seen since I started trading. And that is something goes parabolic. It goes straight up. Uh, I used to teach like about the hammerhead move of planes at the air show, you know, when something's going parabolic like that and mm. and then what happens? It comes turns down. over and comes back down, right? Dolls out and, and what is it? what does that what happens when it does that to all the people that were, you know in the latter part of that buying? We've seen it even. You know, like look at look at with uh, Bitcoin over, you know, over forty thousand, over fifty thousand, over sixty thousand. I mean, even, you know, Michael Saylor himself, you know, ended up with MicroStrategy buying buying Bitcoin at fairly elevated levels, Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of stuck down here in the eighteen to twenty thousand, twenty eighteen to twenty one thousand area. not really managing to head back up, and it may never head back up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so so what's so what's happening here with this uh, discussion is that the dollar is understandably the flight to quality, but but getting very crowded. So here's what Tyler Durden says on zero hedge here. He says, Undoubtedly, there are good reasons to get out of other currencies and into dollars, but the dollar's overbought condition must be extreme, exposing it to sudden and sharp bear squeezes. So it can drop pretty quick, and that would impact your trading for the day, right, if you Mm -hmm. see that. So together with a deeply oversold position for gold and silver, undoubtedly mirrored in a raft of commodities and energy contracts, we can see how traders might become very badly wrong-footed. This is kind of what happened in, in oil, you know, they were so under exposed to oil that when it started to really rally last year, Uh um, they, they had to scramble. I mean, and you know, you saw how quickly it shot from, you know, $90 to a hundred and then to all the way to one thirty five, right? That area. So, um, so he says, There are other developments worthy of intention, this time in Russia. Following the referendum in Ukraine, Russia's border marches westwards, and in the absence of a ceasefire, the Ukrainians supported by NATO will be attacking Russia directly. Okay, not, not Ukraine being a NATO country, but Ukraine supported by NATO countries, meaning they're benefiting from capital, from uh, arms, right, uh-huh. of all kinds, And if they use them, they will be attacking Russia directly. It would bring an escalation into direct conflict between Russia and NATO. Putin probably expects an uneasy ceasefire to follow. And he's got a picture there of him holding a gold brick there. Um, Meanwhile, his attention appears to be turning to monetary and financial matters centered on gold. Together with the Russian central bank's reserves, Russia's state fund and its national wealth fund are believed to hold about 12,000 tons of gold. Steps have been taken to mobilize the non-reserve gold. So it's not just the central bank, but it's its state fund and its national wealth fund. If you put all that together, that's higher than what has typically been reported. Okay, So it's believed to be around 12,000 tons of gold. So this is not emergency war funding, as most commentators would think, but more likely, so to uh, be so that it can be included in central bank reserves. Russia could then declare the largest monetary gold reserves in the world, together with the recently announced Mosul, Moscow gold standard. We, we, you and I talked about this on the show before, um, where they, you know, applied a fraction of an ounce to their ruble, right? Uh-huh um so uh, and plans for new trade settlement currency to replace the dollar so this has been bantered about for a long time is like all the you know basket of currencies or you know russia trading with one or whatever directly or let's circumvent the u.s dollar and the swift and let's just trade with each other all this kind of stuff right but this would make it more official and probably more doable So together with the recently announced Moscow gold standard and plans for a new trade settlement currency to replace the dollar, enhanced gold reserves will provide support for a new gold standard for cross-border trade. It would replace payments to Russia for energy in weak Asian currencies and probably force China to declare its true gold reserves as well. So imagine that. Russia uh, completely backs its currency with gold and declares all these reserves that may not have previously been declared, China does the same thing. What other countries are sympathetic to China and to Russia that also have gold? Um, The US obviously has gold too, but we, again, we believe we know how much is there, but (laughs) it could be a different story. Um, So if this is Putin's plan, the consequences for Western fiat currencies are likely to be devastating, suffering the financial equivalent of a nuclear attack. Uh, think about that for a minute. So what if the nuclear banter mm-hmm. is a distraction?
0: And then just crushes the US you, Because
1: you wouldn't, I mean, you you would think, even though he may be crazy, you wouldn't you wouldn't think he'd want to start launching nukes because he's going to receive them, Uh right? But if he can do something else Uh where it's an economic play that nobody sees coming, that could be unbelievable. Uh So anyway, I wanted to uh, put a little bit of emphasis on that because let's talk about metals here for a minute. When you look at the daily chart, on gold, especially, you know, it, it moved down for quite a while now. Um, let's bring up, I'm going to bring up the uh, monthly on gold. Now it's like, you know, it's way higher, obviously, than it was in 99 to 2008. It's uh, been pretty stable really between 2011 and, and, to, and now. So it's kind of trading right in the middle of that range between the highs of 2011, 2012, and the highs of 2020 to 2022. So, you know, it's not at all time highs. It's pulled back on the monthly now, one, two, three, four, five, six months in a row. Silver's done a little bit better recently, but... uh, so I would say that you know gold on a temporary basis is kind of oversold, mm-hmm. and what happens when the large traders are you know under under committed and the commercials are fully hedged? That's when often you see a reversal and a rally ensues. So we're right at that point now where uh, large traders are underexposed to gold contracts, and commercial hedgers are fully hedged. So what happens when it reverses? Well, we have a rally, and that could take us up to test the high and possibly um, move higher. Now, that is a pretty uh, significant high that we have on the gold futures at uh, 2078 and 2089. So uh, in the 2070 to 2090 area, that's what I would call resistance. And we spiked up there, obviously, in 20, March of 2022 and back in August of 2020. So we could see a move higher if the U.S. dollar were to pull back. Now, if you had something more catastrophic happen, like we just read Um, then you would have the dollar falling dramatically and because gold's priced in U.S. dollars and especially if it were now sought after for trade and especially to purchase oil, then what would happen? Then gold would become even more and more valuable, right? Mm -hmm. So there's something going on here and it could be more economic warfare than people realize.
0: It's interesting. interesting
1: right?
0: Very interesting. Actually, for tomorrow, the first day of the month, gold is expected to be a little bit softer, one of the shorter things um, in, in terms of the almanac. But the first Friday of the, Friday of the month, it's expected to be one of the better things to be Yeah, it,
1: you, you're not going to see these things turn on the dime. And, and also, we, we don't have we can't possibly get odds on chances of a nuclear war or we can't get odds on the chances of this kind of economic warfare either. Um, But we can see where we're at, which is deeply discounted in the last, you know, like we just said, six months down in a row. Um, And we kind of see the conditions changing where these other banks like Russia, Central Bank and China have been accumulating more gold. So it's been more important to them than it has been to Western nations. We've mm-hmm. kind of despised gold. I mean, you, it's hard to carry. You can't eat it, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we, we don't have a great opinion of gold.
0: But there are a lot of countries that still do. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is um, they always say gold is an inflation hedge and it's gotten killed since the beginning of the year. So it really hasn't held up.
1: Well, they said that of Bitcoin, too, you know, that it would be. Yeah. Huge, right? um, so, it, but here's the thing. Let's just say, just put frame it this way. The dollar, which is backed by good faith in the government, essentially, the dollar has been a de- flight to quality. It's been a defensive thing, right? So, mm-hmm. you don't, and it's liquid and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you don't need gold, right? But if the dollar were to start falling, that gives more of a lift to gold naturally anyway. Uh But if something more drastic was to happen, then then you can imagine that gold would really fly. So you might be able to start trading it, looking at some of the – if you guys want to look at something like Newmont – it's traded sideways, completely sideways here at around the $42 level for for all of August and and September. So these sideways channels are really interesting if we were to break out and start moving higher. One other thing that really attracted me was GDX and GDXJ, which actually GDXJ is the the junior miner ETF. And so we were talking earlier about small caps, And so GDXJ would be that equivalent. But the interesting thing is, it pays a dividend of 75 cents annually, that's 2.53%. So imagine, you know, working with the junior ETF, um, getting that potential upside, it it had three nice days here in a row already. So it it showed that uh, it did attract, uh, and and it went up on volume too. So somebody's interested in GDXJ, and the fact that it's paying a dividend, two and a half percent a year, not too bad. It's got an ATR of a dollar thirty four, volatility of four point eight three percent on the weekly. So it's uh, it can be a good trader, and uh, and, uh, and maybe something that you want to trade around a core position a little bit especially since we're already down, you know, half of, from its highs over mm-hmm. the last year. Like, why, why not? I mean, what would you rather be in? Some tech stocks that don't make money either. I mean, they don't, they don't pay a dividend. They don't even have profits. Would you rather be in this that actually pays a dividend mm-hmm. and is discounted and, a, and could possibly end up being a flight to quality? It's not, hasn't been a flight to quality, but what if it starts to be? Yeah. So I want to throw that out there. I'm not making predictions. I'm just, I'm asking questions and also, you know, bringing your attention to something intriguing to me, which is uh, this whole space of commodities that um, have been hurt because of recession implications. And just a, a lot, a change, a massive change in sentiment from obviously many years ago where people, you know, had valued gold much more than they do now. And I, I mean, I could bring this up to, you know, people in in the markets and, and say, hey, you know, what do you think about gold? And you'd hear all the time, ah, gold's, you know, there's no, nothing, gold's, it'll never shine again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they might be right, <laughs> but what if they're wrong? It could be that people really get, again, underexposed to something that becomes a hot area, just like that happened with oil. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, over to you with some uh, seasonality for this week. Yeah. Because we've we've got, you know, tomorrow is the first trading day of the month, so there's obviously stuff going on there. And, you know, we found that seasonality has been pretty good. I mean, even with the fight with the macro you know, the macro stuff can exert a opposite force on it. But I, I've still found that seasonality is, is, you know, better than 60, 65% of the time. Sometimes it hits 80, even 90%. Yeah. So I'm not going to argue with it. I'm just going to say, okay, let's, let's consider what seasonality has to say. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, for the month of October, the entire month, the spiders expected to do 0.79%. And, um, If you look at these, Russell, it's expected to do a little bit weaker, 0.28, and something like QQQ is a little bit better, 1.06. So that gives you a sense of how the entire month might pan out. But then tomorrow is the first trading day of the month, and uh, it's expected to be for Spider 0.04. So pretty much flat for the Spider, with the Qs doing a little bit better and the Russell 2000 weaker. Um, Some of the Particular ETFs that you might wanna be longer tomorrow are IBB, so biotechs, XLV, healthcare, XBI, right? So that could be something that's stronger than the market. And then things to be shorter are energy, XLE, XOP. Uh, GDX and GDXJ are expected to be softer for tomorrow for the first trading day, as well as financials via the KRE and XLF and um, again gld iau these are all gold etfs expected to be softer for that first day and then for the first friday of the month um, the spider is expected to do 0.34 percent um, with the diamonds pretty close to that and as well as the russell all about the same and the q is a little bit weaker but some of the etfs to be longer are utilities healthcare energy financials biotech oil and shorter things that are more risky, like KK, uh, the SMH chips. So just um, the higher quality ETFs longer on the first Friday of the month. Um, we also have some key economic data this week. Uh, a lot of it's around manufacturing and jobs. So Monday we have the ISM Manufacturing Index, the SP Manufacturing PMI, And on Tuesday, we have a report on job openings. On Wednesday, there's an ADP employment report and ISM services. Thursday, initial jobless claims. And then Friday is the unemployment rate, labor force participation, and non-farm payrolls. So the big themes are going to be manufacturing um, and uh, uh, employment. Um, The the 10-year is still hanging in there pretty strong at 378 two years at 4.19% and um, some key earnings for the week. On Monday, not too much. Tuesday, Acuity Brands. Wednesday, Helen of Troy. Thursday, Conagra, Constellation Brands, Levi's, and Friday, Tilray. So a smattering of uh, corporate earnings in there. But I think the key is going to be manufacturing um, data job report and then again how are we going to start this month is it going to be a continuation of the sell-off in september or or not and then as you said the global um, war risk that's going to be a wild card out there of it yeah
1: and i think that's one of the biggest concerns that's uh, you know, hitting us all the time um and then of course um you know what's going on in iran to the I, I saw that the uh, the real is now three hundred and thirty thousand to one u s dollar. so three hundred and thirty thousand real. Well, I think it's the lowest in history for the Iranian real. Um, so uh, there's, you know, they're the ones supplying all kinds of these drones to Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, they're causing trouble. They cause a lot of trouble. Iran does, and now they got their own trouble on the home front with uh, unrest. And I saw your uh, your city of L.A. was uh, was a lot of a lot of marching in the streets there in support of uh, the people that are protesting in Iran as well. right? I missed that. I didn't see it, but uh, it always looked like a few hundred thousand people to me. I don't know. But uh, anywho, um,
0: I was too busy looking at the gas prices. Out there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, gas prices went back up, eh? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So, so it, with oil up, uh, you know, at the moment, the oil futures are up. Let's see here. Uh, what do we got? It's, it was higher. It's backed off a little bit, uh, 2.79% on WTI, 2.72% on Brent crude. Um, so this, I'd, it'd be nice if it kind of backed, the open. I mean, it's, it responded to this banter, which we've heard before about potential 1 million barrel cut by OPEC. So, I mean, it's not for sure. And it's going to be what, one or two weeks before the meeting. I forget when the meeting is, but um, you know, it's, uh, it's not due right away, but oil is responding in a positive manner. And I would like to buy some oil stocks. The problem is when they're gapping up so much, yeah. So sometimes it's better to uh, to wait and watch uh, the leader, or you know, watch the ETF, and uh, try to see if if you can get a gap fill or a bit of a pullback before you buy. The other option is to go in with half the capital that you want, and then if it rallies, you you know you're still got some skin in the game, and if it pulls back, you could buy the other half. But it's it you know it's always hard when you have Odds to do something, let's say you curate some oil stocks that are supposed to be positive for the day, but then oil is already gapping up. The stocks are already gapping up. Mm -hmm. It's more challenging, right? Okay. Well, I think we cover anything else on the agenda?
0: No. I'm kind of curious. Things like Tesla. So, I mean, they have record earnings reported this weekend. Will it continue to sell off on good news? I mean, that might be a tell as well.
1: But didn't they fail... They didn't deliver as many as the as the original target, right? I thought they. I, don't,
0: I thought they.
1: I don't. I thought they missed. Uh, let's just put test, test in here. Check the news myself. I thought that they missed the amount that they wanted to do. Um, yeah fall short. Yeah, Tesla deliveries fall short. Well, and it was supply chain related, right? Mm-hmm. Why is uh, Why is he yakking here?
0: I mean, they got their robot also, and there's there's always news with Tesla, but
1: I don't know what I don't know what he was bantering about. I didn't see it, but. Um, anyway he does what he wants but the thing is um yeah so i mean you can you this is the whole point about headlines you could you could you can grab a headline and act on it it might be not the whole story right so it's always good to kind of drill down even briefly than not um it takes time to read our articles in, in full but um you know, at least go a little bit beyond the headline just to see if there's more substance to it. So, anywho, I'm going to let you go. Okay, have a good day.